If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to the Unsung Podcast, where we talk about albums that we think are unsung classics, and then you guys tell us if you're right or wrong. This is the Unsung Podcast. episode 48 of the Unsung Podcast. Two weeks ago, we did the album I Am Forever by Train Dodge, and that vote ended up 50-50 split. So because it was our guest who picked the record and backed it, we've decided to put this album into our discography. So thank you very much to everybody who voted and to everybody who listened to Train Dodge for the first time. This week we're doing something quite different. We're doing a proper dance album, and this record is Glass Swords by Rusty. Hi, uh, you're listening to the Unsung Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Fraser, and I'm joined by two of the world's foremost leading trap producers. Foremost leading. Foremost, foremost leading. leading. Four of... Two of the foremost. <laughs> two of the foremost. <laughs> uh, to my left is uh, Mr. Chris Cusack, um, and he invented ecstasy. Wow. Didn't just, know that. Just the idea of uh, not the drug. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> state of mind <laughs> yeah um and to my right and for anyone paying attention you will mentally picture that david and i have swapped seats for tonight mm-hmm. it's really this jar it's really jarring sorry yeah it's, it's confusing for mark because he's used to sarcasm coming from one side and disbelief from the other <laughs> <laughs> and they seem to have swapped places uh but yeah to my right is david uh who has a spot of good news for us i believe uh david uh big week for you uh yeah. I um I managed to put up a shelf in my kitchen. Yes. Uh I bought one of those um Bosch um things that detects if there's wires behind the wall. Oh well, that's so actually pretty I, I'm cool. Truly grown up now. Was that for your condiments? Uh condiments are on the top. Got a very small kitchen. Um so space is at an absolute premium. 
Uh, so I feel very grown up. I've got all my all my hot sauces up at the top, and then I've created a new shelf for the pans, and I did that. Was uh, was your new fiance impressed? Oh yeah, and then I got engaged. As well. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for that. Hey. Congratulations! Congratulations, David. Thanks very much, guys. You were away for two weeks. We leave you alone for two weeks. I know. You I come sign my life away. At least you managed to miss the entire threat and debacle, so you know. You didn't miss it, David. David did the the dog's body work. I did know. Research. I know. I was. <laughs> <laughs> he was a man in the field. I know. <laughs> Just for patter. <laughs> Just emailing bands for patter. Yeah, I'm, I I know. It turns out I could be a bit of a gossip. Mm-hmm. That's fine by me, though. You're the, you're a very own Joe Acosta. Well, that is me. Your pass has been revoked. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> you're out of here. <laughs> It's just been revoked. So the the jinx of Rusty's glass swords. Yeah, we've been talking about this album for bloody ages. Oh yeah, yeah. We finally get round to it. So nice to have three extra weeks with it. Speaking of swords, <laughs> I felt like it was a sword hanging over my fucking neck the whole time, man. So this album isn't like the other ones we've done, really. It's not like anything that I've really listened to. Um, it's an interesting subject, though. Definitely, it's like a a bit like the Larue thing. We're kind of straying into like producer pop territory and it's, mm-hmm. it's it's got some it brings up some kind of interesting issues i thought but it's the sort of thing i can't imagine either of you have been have listened to much recently. hang on mm. hang on am i just uh I'm in, my ignorance here for your i'm in very peak, wide peak physical diverse. condition from three weeks solid of dancing <laughs> <laughs> would you would either of you classify yourself as clubbers <laughs> <laughs> only in the sense of that much? I, I may have wielded a club at some, uh-huh. <laughs> some stage in the past I've never actually been to the sub club which for someone that lives in Glasgow and actually. listens to music that's a bit stupid I see it took me a while to get into music like this and clubbing but um, turns out it's really fun is it mm. when you start taking drugs is that kind of when it, when it begins I've, I imagine so for other people yeah not clubbing baby seals. <laughs> um, Dave's parents listen to this podcast. But I can imagine. I can imagine. It's the only one of Dave's friends that listen to this podcast because he doesn't <laughs> tell anyone. But they do. my dad's very proud of me. <laughs> uh, I mean, we've talked about albums that have been influenced by particular substances before. Uh, <laughs> butthole surfers <laughs> influenced by all Oy substances <laughs> at the same instance. time, usually. But I mean, this record is. I think you'd classify it as maybe a maximal record. It, you know, it takes a lot of things. It puts a lot of sounds in there, but it it's also definitely influenced by trying to make people on MDMA have a really nice time when they're in a club. Or people at the gym. Keep or people running. at the gym. <laughs> I didn't even have to buy this record to listen to it. I just had to go down to the gym every day because <laughs> it's, it's always on. So, Rusty, he is... Have we even introduced what with, record with, we're talking about yet? With an IE. We uh, this is, we're going to talk about Rusty and his 2011 debut album, Glass Swords. So, yeah, I brought it to the table. What did you guys think? <laughs> Look at you <laughs> passing the buck. <laughs> well, I David's meeting with stony looks. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love this record. Yeah, you, do you want me, like, are you wanting us Sorry, to, to break, to... break the ice here? And... Well, I just, I really love this record. I think we should talk about who Rusty is and 
the sort of scene that he came from. Russell White. Before um, we do any of that, we should paint a picture right now. Dave is taking his microphone off the desk and is holding it like a pastor. I know. I need to. <laughs> the Jim. That's a Joe Costa. The Jim Costa thing is going to his head. I need. I just need to uh, look at you both in the eyes uh, when you're talking about this. <laughs> he's, he's about to savage an intern that tries to take that. <laughs> yeah. So this guy is. Uh, he's from Paul Shields, which is not too far away from where I grew up. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about. 50 yards from where I currently live. South yeah. side of Glasgow. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty big scene for arty types. Yeah, Pollock yeah. yeah, Shields is a, it's quite a deprived area of Glasgow as well. It used to be back then when he was growing up. Not mm-hmm. so much, kind of half and half. It's been now. slightly gentrified. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a little bit gentrified. Yeah, There's a back, bit more going on. Back in that day, it's from my, from my mum and it's from my dad that I grew up. So. There's the fucking shed down that way. The oh. shed, guys. This is definitely the kind of music you can imagine getting played in the shed. That's absolutely. <laughs> the shed. The shed. <laughs> the shed plays shit music. This is... No, the shed plays like Rihanna. and uh, Calvin Harris. Calvin Harris. This is nothing like Calvin Harris. This is way ahead of Calvin Harris. Okay, cool. Let's talk about this record then. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see anything there at all. Yeah. I know, just I'm getting these looks. <laughs> How did you get into this album? I think... Because he was, he, I was trying to remember this, but I think it came from uh, Lucky Me, the Glasgow and Edinburgh based record label, which has done a lot of stuff with Rusty and Hudson Mohawk. Basically, there's a couple of record labels in Glasgow, Lucky Me and Numbers, which is also a, a club night. Uh, that has been they've been exceptionally influential in bringing through sort of young producers. What's the what relation are they to I Am? Is that part of that, involved in that as well? No, I Am is a night at Sub Club. It's a, it's been going for a good few years. Uh, Tuesday nights at Sub Club, so you know, it's not for those that go into an office on Wednesday morning. I think you know, but a lot of them. Sorry, we can just cut that out. No, no, <laughs> but a lot of them, a lot of them are friends. Uh, a lot of them, you know, do club nights for each other. They mix for each other. You know, they'll appear in each other's nights. They also all hang around Rubber Dub Records in Glasgow a lot, mm. which is down near um, St Enoch Square, and that's a big sort of hub for electronic and dance music in Glasgow, as well mm. as Fancy Kit. Fancy Kit. Kit. <laughs> well, well, Maybe. Both Fancy there, Kit. Huh? Uh, yeah, lots of. Uh, gear. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. The innuendo, the drug innuendo. Um, yeah, I mean, I I'm aware of, or I I was made aware of Lucky Me and Numbers via the kind of avenue of uh, American Men, the, mm-hmm. the group out of Edinburgh that my friend Robbie became the the second drummer in that band. Um, and they were a really interesting project, like two kind of live synth performers and then two drummers by the end, including Scott uh, Chevrolet or Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Paul Carlin, yeah. Uh, from, also from Dan and Aykroyd. Yeah, and a few other projects. And a few other bands. Um, and Do you know what? I think Lucky Me was introduced to me by American Men uh, on MySpace. 
back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, They're a bit of a crossover act because of like people like Paul being in them, because of people like Robbie joining them. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Stephen as well. I think like they all had this caliber from like alternative music, but they were doing something that was quite electronic or very electronic and kind of. It had a very interesting sound though. Yeah. So and. Um, they're actually one of the best live bands I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, likewise. I loved them. I loved them with the two drummers especially. Yeah, it was so really good. Compelling. But they released a five-track EP back in like, must have been 2009, maybe 2010, the American Men EP. And then it also had a series of remixes, one of which was by Hudson Mohawk. They didn't seem to go anywhere and it was probably because they were all so busy and it was maybe slightly ahead of its time mm-hmm. in many ways. It was a big inspiration for the stuff that we ended up doing with our band, watching them do that. Mm-hmm. The, the live drums, you know, it's that kind of holy fuck type yeah. vibe of the combination of complicated synth work and electronics with live percussion i, I love that man i can't get yeah. enough of that it's, it's so interesting to watch and the guys in that band have gone on to do some really interesting things there's claude speed who was one of the members and he does really interesting ambient stuff <laughs> actually saw him last night he was at the jessica mosh i really Mm -hmm. like his his last album was amazing kind of a sort of dronier Mm -hmm. ambient sort of stuff but yeah and it all came from this i think they were sort of art school based vibe you know mid 2000s and then that's kind of how the the record labels sort of started they were mixed between art school the arches rub-a-dub and it was just you know a really interesting scene that was bubbling in glasgow and people were trying new things and edinburgh as well i think it's one of the scenes that yeah edinburgh is is for people outside of scotland especially edinburgh's got a slightly at times slightly gormless music scene like it's got some really great acts that come out of it but it's also could be quite stodgy and there were sometimes there was sometimes a lack of venues that seemed to be really serious about what they're doing. But in, in amongst that, there were places like Bongo Club and they were doing some really, really interesting shows. It's, it's, it's quite a mixed bag, Edinburgh. It doesn't have that necessarily that same cool vibe and the, the sheer amount of promising acts that Glasgow did. But then again, it had this undercurrent of yeah, very certainly. strong scenes. And that was one of the ones that was really outstanding in that, that city. And I always actually associated those those labels and that, that output with Edinburgh every bit as much as yeah. Like Glasgow. Yeah, it was definitely a sort of Scottish uh, scene. And it's been really interesting to see how it's then developed and Rusty has been at the forefront of it. Whenever somebody mentions Rusty, they also mention Hudson Mohawk. Yeah two artists that have you know released music on warp that broke out into bigger production as well yeah and seeing them go from you know late 2008 2009 as these bedroom producers that are you know doing little club nights in glasgow to 2012 2013 they're working with you know some of the biggest names in hip-hop which is quite an interesting cycle because you know they're sitting in their bedroom in pollock shields or i can't remember where hudson mohawk's from somewhere up north a little bit like lennox town or something like that and they're taking influences from sort of southern hip-hop and also you know your classic electronic producers and adding it's a very internet based you know movement that couldn't have happened 20 years ago because they wouldn't have had the a they wouldn't have had the computers and the software to do it and then b they wouldn't have had just the ability to send each other tracks and find you know how do you how does a young guy here get really into you know the trap music that's coming out of Atlanta? And well, then one of the projects that really 
caught my attention and it was the first time I'd encountered Hudson Mohawk actually was tonight mm-hmm. or TNGHT and that's actually become sort of an archetypal sound some of the riffs on that there's one in particular right? yeah there's that one ep it was a four track so mm-hmm. it was hudson yeah. mohawk and uh lunis who's a canadian producer yeah and, and i just... mean that's that's advert central that 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 riff as well yeah it's unbelievable how sort of incredibly influential that has been when you listen to any type of advert now it's you know it's basically just sounds like a tonight trap riff mm-hmm. and it's just it's incredibly interesting that hudson mohawk and Rusty were then, you know, invited by hip hop, uh, you know, makers and rappers. royalty, royalty, Kanye West, Danny Brown, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They did suffer Drake as well, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, and they've been taken back from here, you know, to the states to then put their gloss on something that you know they were originally influenced by. It's a really interesting, like going for a sort of Glasgow wash or something like that. It's like it's it's come from come from over there and then it's been given a really it's been rinsed through rinsed here yeah, yeah yeah and then i've gone out with a very new interesting personality yeah i mean it's it's not like scotland hasn't had breakout electronic acts we we spoke about this just before we started recording and milo was one and a really obvious one's calvin harris as well yeah <laughs> guys are ploughing a much more, I don't want to say credible, but certainly a much edgier and now much more influential mm-hmm. furrow. I mean, maybe influential is unfair. Calvin Harris is fucking huge. Yeah, but Calvin Harris is a very straight down the line, you know, pop dance producer. Yeah. Milo was interested in that album, you know, was really well received both critically and commercially, but um, it wasn't necessarily breaking new ground Yeah, in terms of electronic stuff, but a lot of the stuff that's coming out, you know, from lucky me and numbers and labels like that are you know then been taken forward by young producers throughout the world and you can just hear that influence yeah i mean it's i think it's, it's sometimes interesting to look at foreign electronic festivals the lineups and then be like oh wow there's actually a, a lot of stuff on there yeah that i recognize because you people from uh, people like jd twitch mm-hmm. like popping up like at the tops of bills yeah yeah exactly you know optimo and optimo uh, all these things have, you know and slam have been incredibly influential but then there's like a whole new breed of scottish producers as well folk like uh sam gellatry from your hometown of sterling I know I had to do something right. Uh, so he was mm-hmm. he was um, picked up when he was eighteen because he'd got a million SoundCloud plays. <laughs> you know, which is a thing now. That's how it's shared. Uh, but he just self-produced these tracks in his bedroom. He was like a seventeen-year-old guy from Sterling, and then there's not much else to do. 
Yeah, exactly. You know and I mean? then signed to XL and he's played Coachella twice now. <laughs> That's crazy. Other young producers, though, like Nightwave, Corliss, Joseph Marinetti, Sega Bodega, Claire Fifi, Sophie, S-Type as well is a really big one. And then Proc Fiscal is a guy who's sort of doing grime stuff based in Edinburgh. mentioned Nightwave I believe she was the girlfriend of she went out Rusty with Rusty for a while for yeah. quite a while yeah and they, they like she appeared early on in some of the stuff she's mm-hmm. on this record and as a an accomplished uh, producer she's got some really cool tracks actually in her own really right stuff She you know what? A, so, carry on. Sorry, just uh, she performed recently at the Bongo Club through in Edinburgh just a couple of weeks back. Uh, yeah. To some up, like considerable acclaim, I believe. The new Bongo Club, I might add. Uh huh. I didn't know there was a new Bongo Club, so I'm strolling about the wrong part. Of Did this you go to the wrong Bongo Club? <laughs> the wrong Bongo Club. <laughs> that should be a nightclub in itself. The wrong Bongo Club. Uh, so yeah, it's it's all uh, it's more central and a lot seedier. Um, it's and interesting. I nearly, nearly got jumped by a bunch of Dutch guys as well. What did Dutch people go? fighting in Edinburgh <sighs> man these guys pure roidheads it was, it was fun oh, oh lord right you can always rely on roidheads though to dance enthusiastically so from the perspective of the DJ they're they're peak yeah yeah, <laughs> peak clientele so it's interesting that we're talking about club nights because I feel like the concept of the album to many of these young producers isn't necessarily the same as it is for young bands Oh, very different so i think when you know you start a band when you're a teenager and you listen to punk or metal or anything you've grown up listening to albums and you know you think one day i'll release an album with you know with my shitty band that somehow put together enough cash to go record and blah 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 and then you'll tour that and you one day you'll get in the skinny <laughs> top albums of the year award <laughs> or whatever right, the hot 100 in the list yeah, whereas the concept of the album for producers isn't... Or nominated for a C award. Oh, well, I mean... Like imagine. Rusty. Exactly. Yeah. The actual concept of an album isn't necessarily the pinnacle of your sort of artistic endeavour. Mm-hmm. It's uh, You're more likely to be into putting together a really cool mix or, you know, mm-hmm. going to play like a really good club. You know, I imagine people want to go and do Bergen or get a boiler room set more than necessarily the concept of an album being I think the assembly of it as well because i noticed that rusty was talking about this album and it, it was whittled down to 14 tracks from over 100 mm-hmm. and that in itself i mean I, obviously bands do that weezer are known for doing that quite a bit but um i think that shows that there's not necessarily a focus on the record the record is just like a kind of punctuation point like i've been making music for x long here's like a sort of like here's a moment a snapshot this is what i'm doing right now and mm-hmm. then they keep producing they keep moving on and they're they're doing remixes the whole time they're reworking stuff it isn't as like, like you said it's not as prominent in terms of as a band you work towards the record which is the objective with this it seems like the record is sometimes not incidental but certainly there's a much more even spread of yeah. of focus. yeah certainly and you look at a lot of these producers and they're doing you know loads and loads of work and like even like the 
totally crap IDM ones like Steve Aoki and you know David Goethe and stuff like that they don't release albums they just go and play festival crowds and that's how they earn their money and yeah. you know nobody's going to remember Steve Aoki for an album yeah but but pro- that's probably also quite a modern phenomenon in the sense mm-hmm. that there, there's so little is. money in them selling albums that are almost yeah. like why bother man yeah you know and then so it's interesting looking at this scene you know that that Rusty's come from and all these producer producers have come from even you know Hudson Mohawk who's probably you know the one with the highest profile has never really released an acclaimed album and go, you know going through his his tunes he's ne- he's had a couple of records but they've just never quite defined exactly who he is or what he's capable of he's much you know that ep with uh lunas the tonight ep is probably gonna be his defining sort of um recorded recorded uh, output yeah um which is why i chose this album glass swords because i think it is a rarity in that it is a, a sort of defining record and it works as a record and it sounds like it's put together and it's meant to be an album possibly as well due to the fact that he was so early on in his career and as he got more successful the priority shifted to the remix and to the to the shows to mm-hmm. all those things whereas at this point it was still very much a bedroom project yeah and he was writing towards an end of trying to establish himself so yeah it's maybe the 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 fact that it was an early stage is not a coincidence yeah i mean we're talking about remixes etc is that a good uh, segue into uh our nexus oh, is that how are we going to get from a young glaswegian man from pollock shaw's pollock shields pollock shields, pollock shields. if you live in glasgow you'll know the Big the trouble with pollock shields and <laughs> pollock shaw's and which train station to get <laughs> off at it's a fucking nightmare <laughs> north south east and west of each who fucking knows yeah. uh anyway yeah so there should be a nexus i believe cool yeah let's do it and uh we'll have a little bit more of uh, fritz's masterpiece it's the unsung podcast dave grow nexus need to find to connect the show to that guy For playing in Nirvana To hanging with Obama He knows lots of folk So stands to reason we'll find a way It's the Unsung Podcast Dave Grohl Nexus Don't take too long Uh, so who wants to go first, Mark? You've been very quiet. I have been very quiet. <laughs> yes. I very little to contribute to this conversation, if I'm perfectly honest. I probably should have just stayed at home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I guess I'll go first with my Nexus. Go for it. <clears throat> <laughs> Milk it for all it's worth, Mark. This yeah. is going to be the sum total of your input. Yep, probably. <laughs> so Rusty, uh, as, you, as you alluded to, David, Rusty produced a second record after this one. Mm-hmm. And on that record is what I think is Rusty's best song, mm-hmm. Attack, featuring Attack. Danny Brown. And Danny Brown has been known to do many things, but he's also been known to play 
multiple shows at the gathering of the Juggalos with ICP in St. Clown Posse. <laughs> <laughs> what a man. I've got some good Danny Brown stories, actually. Wow. This is kind of strange, actually. This is the second time someone's mentioned Juggalos to me today in completely unrelated <laughs> context. Um, David, do you want to spin a Danny Brown story? Uh, I'll just say one. Uh, so Danny Brown has famously got a big uh, tooth gap that he's quite <laughs> proud of. Uh, and I know a girl who went to see him at the Arches and then went home with him, or took him home, and then she was very proud in the morning when she looked down and she had a big tooth gap indent on her thigh <laughs> <laughs> from Danny Brown. So, yeah, there you are. Oh, from Danny Brown. We're going to have to, like, kind of change that. the certificate in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I can't follow that. I'm done. Right, okay. Uh, so... Another frequenter of the gathering of the Juggalos is the band CKY. <laughs> a band, a, a underrated band. Uh, Do you know what? I would absolutely <laughs> maybe think about getting a uh, volume one onto this uh, podcast at some point. I can hear it in my head, and it, it's, <laughs> it's not going well. Well, you've got an ex-girlfriend <laughs> that used to love that band, though. If I'm not wrong. I I'm racking my brain right <laughs> now. <laughs> to see what you're getting at. Do I? Pure loves CKY. Or did she? Did you not let her in? <laughs> in? Did you not let her play her own music? I think we should bleep that name out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't have to have this in. But she was always go- she was always asking for CKY at Fantastic Man. Shit. Well, I'm pretty sure. Them as well. Well, there you go. From CKY, um, on their latest record, The Phoenix, I believe it's called The Phoenix. The last one. They don't still make records. Uh, yeah, it was 2015 or something. Fuck off. Um, had a guest appearance by none other than Brett Hines from the band Mastodon. Am I? <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so many beards in that room. Yeah, so many. And uh, Once More in the Sun was produced by Nick Raskillens. I don't know how you say his surname. Clearly. That's close. <laughs> um, is it Raskillensis? I have no idea. Anyway, he's produced a lot of records, this uh-huh. guy, and he produced One by One by the Foo Fighters, which is a band that contains Dave Grohl. Great. Good work. All right. Christopher? Uh, okay. Uh, so Rusty came from Lucky Me and went to Warp, much like Hudmo, mm-hmm. Hudson Mohawk. And Hudson Mohawk uh, has worked on, produced, remixed a, a lot of stuff, including some really interesting ones like Christina Aguilera, mm-hmm. which uh, was a bit of a surprise. Uh, but in amongst his back catalogue, he has remixed the song Rolls Bass by... Battles from the album Gloss Drop. Yeah. Is it Rolls Bass or Boys? I can't remember. I don't actually know. Um, but yeah, so that tune, uh, Battles, as you know, features the incredibly talented John Stanier on drums. John Stanier also performed in a band called Tomahawk. Oh. Hi-yo. Might be talking about them soon, guys. <laughs> At last. Uh, Tomahawk featured Kevin Ripmanis on bass. Kevin Ripmanis was a one-time member of Melvin's and Melvin's were close friends of the pop group Nirvana. And the pop group Nirvana featured David Grohl on drums. There you go. Sweet as. Uh, okay, well, mine, um, Rusty worked on the track uh, No Security um, by Crookers, or a remix of, uh, which also featured Khalees, the hip-hop and R&B artist. I heard her milkshakes bring all the boys to the yard it certainly does now Khalees at one point uh, was working on an alternative album with CeeLo Green 
and uh, worked for a bit with Guy Chambers. Who's that, David? Guy Chambers is the man who wrote or co-wrote a lot of songs with Robbie Williams. Former, also flat, former in, flatmate and best friend, I believe. Of yeah, exactly. Hero yeah. of mine. And was mm-hmm. in a band with Robbie, f- or in Robbie's live band as well for a while. Uh, also in Robbie's live band for a while was uh, Stephen Duffy. Not Stephen Duffy from Boyzone, <laughs> uh, but Stephen Duffy from uh, Duran Duran. Uh, so he, at one point, worked with, uh, I don't know if you uh, remember the band, Bare Naked Ladies? Yes, of course. Uh, he did that tremendous song, One Week. Uh, it's been one week since you looked at me. Uh, and it, at one point in that, they mention a lot of things in, in that um, song, including uh, Aquaman, S- Snickers, uh, Sting, Golf Clubs. Uh, but one thing they also mention is uh, the movie Frantic, featuring Harrison Ford. <laughs> uh, and frantic is that was the one set in Washington DC? Uh, yeah, um, uh, directed by none other than famous badman Roman Polanski. Mm. Famous badman indeed. Uh, one of, one of many. But yep. Yeah. He's I, I one of the many famous badmen. Uh, he somehow still making films in 2010. Uh, in 2010, he made The Ghost Writer, uh, which was a Featured Kate Winslet, didn't it not? Pierce Brosnan as well, perhaps? Uh, it was Pierce Brosnan, Ewan McGregor, um, and Kim Cattrall. Oofed. Her out of Sex and the City. Don't know how I got my names muddled up. So Who could forget Samantha? I'm pretty sure I could have got to this guy a lot quicker, but Kim Cattrall was uh, romantically linked with Gerald uh, Casal from Devo. Wow. Okay. At one point. That's pretty cool. Uh and Gerald Casal began a career as a director of music videos and commercials in the 90s. And one of those bands he worked with was the Foo Fighters, featuring Dave Grohl. Nice. So uh, thanks very much. Uh, well, uh, th- let's hear the Nexus theme tune once more. It's the Unsung Podcast. Dave Grohl Nexus need to find a way to connect the show to that guy. For playing in Nirvana To hanging with Obama He knows lots of folk So stands to reason We'll find a way It's the Unsung Podcast Dave Grohl Nexus Don't take too long <laughs> um so we should talk about the record maybe you should talk about the record David. Oh, okay i'll talk is, about the record this is where the the right the atmosphere might descend oh, I'm go- all right so guys before we start this record i was going to say it's been a really good show and uh <laughs> i'll see you next time <laughs> uh mark if you need to get off well just as just as i was leaving the office i i said to my good friend and colleague joe rattray of uh, hey Joe, hey Joe, <laughs> um, 
I said, what album were we doing? And he goes, oh, I fucking love that record. It's so fizzy. Mm-hmm. Would you agree that, I mean, Mark's sitting there with his still water. Yeah. Well, yes, squ- I've got my uh, sparkling water. Yeah, what a square. Because I love <laughs> fizz. I know. Me too. I live for each moment and I include every mouthful. I want something else happening. I'm microdosing MDMA today. So. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, well, this record, uh, okay, the best way I can sum this up before we even get into the weeds of it is I felt like I was watching someone tell jokes in a foreign language and I could see that <laughs> I could see that people were laughing I could see from their life I was expected to laugh and at certain points I almost felt obliged to laugh so I'm like oh, yeah that's the punchline and he seems to be really yeah but I didn't understand really a fucking thing about what was happening and I couldn't appreciate it or perhaps say watching a film yeah. in a foreign language without subtitles so on it, and you're like well I kind of get it and there's like touchstones where you're like right okay I've kind of got what's going on here this is this but yeah I'm not really able to engage with any of the nuance at all it's and that's me being diplomatic. Yeah. <laughs> I clearly didn't enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm aware that these people live in the same city as us. Half the time. <laughs> They'd send the lads around. Well, probably would. I don't want a posse. Mm. Mark, did you not dig it either? Uh, much like Chris, I tried really hard to care. Uh-huh. And could not <laughs> care. Really. I mean, let's get I th- out. I actually, I should say, I actually felt that Green Language was a much, much better record. Oh, see, yeah, record. so that Green record. Language was the second record. Yeah, there was other stuff by him I preferred. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that as well. See, his first, his EP Sunburst was really interesting. I really loved that. <laughs> Alright, and that came out couple of years before this um and then yeah this came out he said afterwards that uh he went kind of crazy this a quote he went kind of crazy on glass swords taking the piss with kitsch sounds and over the top silliness i got that quote as well yeah and that he wanted green language to be different and more serious and he basically scrapped another record in between which i wonder if then became his third album even if you don't believe uh, because that was kind of dropped out of nowhere yeah, but been. Green Language, I was really excited by, and I'd heard his work with Danny Brown. He also produced a record on Danny, a track on Danny Brown's album, uh, Dope Song, which is really heavy and green language just really didn't click with me i thought it was uneven i thought there were some good tracks on it but i thought there was a lot of filler i just yeah for me that album just never connected to me at all and then the album that he then dropped later out kind of out of nowhere it'd been planned to be an ep and then he just decided that it sounded good enough and just put it out there fuck uh, it all of it's good yeah <laughs> and that kind of goes back to being over the top and maximal and you know and that's what you like about it every sound and to be honest it kind of goes the other way for me a little bit it's maybe just got too much going on there's mm. some really really good tracks on it but uh so this is a sweet spot for me this is a sweet spot because like it is fun and silly and you know you can hear that he's got big influence from like you know retro stuff and video games and you know uh 
90s sort of nostalgia sort of stuff but then really sort of futuristic yeah, I mean, interesting uh, thin sounds fact, um, fact magazine had picked up on that as well and they'd said about how his influences were like video games and big room dance music but also like prog like yeah yeah i mean there's so much going on when you listen to the you know the production on the headphones it's not just your straightforward here's a bass line here's a drop here's you know a riff there's loads and loads of little intricate things going on uh you know scattered right throughout the production yeah watching like journalists trying to wrestle with how to describe him is interesting because he he is quite esoteric in that sense and i know we take it for granted now in retrospect but contemporary uh, the the contemporary writers were struggling a bit to sort of articulate what this guy was doing and i'd actually noted down some of the more interesting ones like pitchfork he called it pop rave yeah um there was uh, a BBC one that, that described just how he'd got five or six distinct influences in every track. Uh, Spin had said he doesn't adhere to any strict genre uh, beyond loose electronic because they couldn't get any more specific than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I kind of like the old music one the best, saying that he, he integrates the hip and the terminally unhip. Yeah. Hi, if I can just stop you there from a enjoying this podcast and uh, let you not enjoy this for a little minute uh just gonna come in and ask you for money um we've been really struggling to record the last couple of weeks because we all have jobs and other things so if you could donate enough money uh, we could quit our jobs and just do loads of episodes all the time concentrate really hard on music <laughs> can you imagine it can More you imagine point. it david's got a rather expensive wedding reception it's true. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I need to. Uh, I need to get. Um, get hitched. Get hitched. Porcelain. Pay for a wedding band. Uh, Ice sculptures. A um, mogwai your wedding band. A fountain of prosecco. Vegan chocolate. Mhm. Mhm. Um, is prosecco vegan? I don't think it is. Actually, I don't know. You get certain vegan proseccos, I believe. Cool. But, um, uh, yeah, so if you could uh, donate us some money. No, this but genu- is not a compelling argument. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but genuinely, uh, every little helps in the word of uh, words of Tesco. Um, a little bit of cash goes towards us paying for some new equipment and for web hosting. And it's very, very much uh, appreciated. Um, so if you go to, uh, what's the website address there, Mark? Unsungpod.net forward slash donate. Thanks very much. Uh that would be ideal or if you just tag your friends in an episode that you think they'd enjoy that would be really helpful as well because sharing is caring a picture is worth a thousand words and a share is worth about eight pounds <laughs> <laughs> we should definitely put a, a, a value on a share that's a good idea yeah is it so. nine cents for an Instagram like yeah mm-hmm. thanks guys cheers That's kind of like a nice summary, I think, of what's going on in this, to some extent, because there is stuff that's very geeky, but then there's other stuff that's very self-aware, yeah. and it's it. I can see why it caused the splash in that sense, because people are trying to merge those two, especially as the kind of 90s retro really rolls in big time now. That's a, that's a pretty much a key formula. Um, I like the computer game side of it yeah. and, and you know me I, li- I like electronic music it's just it's not a side of electronic music that really you know 
puts his, there's a phrase in Spanish, it touches a potato. It's, 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 it's not like, you know, like really gets yeah. you deep in the heart. It just, it, well, maybe you just need a night out at sub club and then you'll understand. I, I think that's a, a given anyway. But um, <laughs> I, yeah, it's just, it's just not a genre of electronic music that I find particularly moving. Mm-hmm. Um, I can identify the parts and I can, like I said, I can, I can see what's going on, but I don't, I don't speak the language. I'm not really able to follow follow the narrative. I don't particularly relate to this kind of hip hop. Yeah. As we've found, there is some that that touches a potato, but it's just not this sort of. It feels throwaway, and it feels kind of like I, I I don't know. Like I, I associate it too much with like the gym and 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 stuff like that. I know I know that uh, seems like kind of slightly snide. I don't mean it that way. I just there there doesn't seem to be an emotional depth to it. Yes, and, I don't agree with that. And, That's kind of how I feel too. As a result, I feel like it's a very passive experience, and I'm just like. Do you know what's interesting is that I think that maybe producers like this and kids that are creating this and enjoying music like this, twenty years ago would have been into like new metal and hardcore, mm. because to me this is like heavy and full of riffs that was like that trap thing though in general eh? i mean yeah that's you hear that at loads of metal clubs it's like Mm. because of the the size of the 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 bass the low end on it they they love that shit it is just you know there is a definite crossover there the crab dance being a a major crossover (laughs) (laughs) um i'm trying to be very diplomatic in the way we describe uh, describe this by the way because uh, I have read that Rusty is notoriously bad at accepting criticism. Oh well, that's fine. <laughs> he's th- he's sort of uh, on hiatus at the moment because of um, mental health and addiction issues. More so time to music sharpen his axe well. and hunt down three wannabe podcasters. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I guess, um, it's just not. I guess it just really wasn't for me. Like yeah. kind of electronic music I like is stuff like health and you know kind of more darker kind of chill stuff. You know, for me. Maybe also I, I like I love you know playing this sort of stuff when i dj as well and i kind of understand I, like i just love the f- the feeling of it i can hear that and that and stuff like that i can hear that and that kind of i can hear this in that kind of room yeah you know like i can see why this would i mean i'm i'm sure this makes a lot of sense in the sub club i'm sure like in a venue like that where people are going fucking like to use some parlance tonto for it then you know like <laughs> it would be it would be like properly like a yeah an experience but for I don't know. Yeah, for me, like that type of music is amazing. You know, to play live through a big sound system and stuff like that. But I feel that this record captures that in an album that is very listenable for me. I will happily put this on. Like me and a few pals will put this on in the car, and like so, like we go through the tracks. Like yeah, I was going to say flashback for somebody trying to navigate it. What would you? Well, I mean, just listen. Go into you know track one is this sort of intro space you look at the the artwork as well which is just perfect it's this sort of you know big gold monolith you know it's sparkly it's futuristic it's a bit cheesy it's you know nostalgic as well you know it looks like 80s it's sci-fi ott yeah um and that you know the first track sort of brings you in there and it's like all right there's going to be sparkles and then track two flashback comes in but like immediately it puts you at ease because it's got that bass riff in it 
that you know Prince would be proud of. It's like so heavy. It's but it's so funky. Yeah. It's really and it's really catchy. It's like a dude, dude. It's and he's got a couple of them that just like go throughout the album that like bring you back to. I am simply a really good riff. <laughs> You know, it's not off-putting. It's inviting. It's you know, funky is the word. You know, you've got that absolute thummy bass turned right up. Then track three, surf is this sort of weird funky vocoded jam. I enjoy surf. Yeah, it feels it's like tightly wrapped, ready to explode out. The vocals are quite hidden in the mix to begin with. I think this is one of the ones that Nightwave was yeah. possibly on. Yeah, see, this this track did kind of jump out to me a wee bit as well. I kind of it had like a kind of hip trash kind of vibe to mm. it. Uh, it. Reminded me a wee bit of that club cushion. Totally, as a jam for cushion. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, one one of the things that struck me about this was this was a point where I was really like, "Oh, this sounds proper." And it, I, I think you kind of touched on it earlier on. We were talking about a bunch of guys in Glasgow uh, taking influences from like American established american hip-hop you know uh styles and and ideas uh-huh. and sort of imitating them and it was like oh wow these guys are imitating this so well they sound proper and that was like a weird sort of mental angle i was trying to reconcile because then you know life imitating art they ended up being summoned over there to go and work with these very people yeah. that they were doing such a good job of imitating and it that this was a track i was like you know I, d- I don't like this because it sounds like so much pop music that I hate, but at the same time, I'm slightly impressed that they've managed to ape that so well that they are now dictating it. And that that kind of really hit home. Well, what's really interesting is I think this is a track, you know, with the the females vo- the female vocals that then come out properly at the end. It's quite a precursor to PC music, which is a whole topic that we will have to talk about at one point. is basically this thing that included uh sophie who was on uh numbers glasgow formerly glasgow based producer which was a sort of really interesting tongue-in-cheek like view of pop music and they took it and they warped it and they studied it and they sent it back out there and it's like a mix of like k-pop and 90s dance and it was a very interesting sort of study of sounds quite conceptual yeah it is it's it's it is very interesting i think we'll have to talk about it at some point i got really into it when it came out about four years ago but this song was um feels like a precursor to you know pc music and using these incredibly clear and vibrant uh you know vocals and melodies that are kind of overly pop then hover traps track three is just another really fucking classic riff four Oh, four, sorry, yeah, third after the intro. (laughs) 
mean, this could be on a like a classic Motown album or something, but with this he- heavy, funky, you know, production, this is really good to play in, in a club at any time. Duly noted. And then City Star is, I mean, it's it starts like it's like an N64 waiting menu, <laughs> like that sort of. <laughs> doo- and then this huge riff comes in, which like it sounds like it could be like you know a hardcore band or something if they're playing that on you know through whatever real instruments yeah exactly but <laughs> it's a total banger and like this is like one of those ones this came out in 2011 it was along there with tonight of like a lot of people you know producers and rappers in america were hearing that and going fuck i want to get my track sounding that heavy <laughs> Uh, and then yeah and then i just feel like you know the rest of the album just like i just feel this overall record has some really interesting tracks in it and i think it holds together perfectly it's this just as joe says it fizzes it sparkles talk, talking about fizz the, the seventh tune ultra fizz ultra fizz yeah i mean cards on the table that is the worst song we've covered for this entire <laughs> podcast <laughs> it's an absolute banger it's got about four amazing little riffs in it. I liked the the farting on Descendants, and I liked the feedback mm-hmm. on Butthole Surfers better. Ultra Fizz <laughs> is one of the best tracks. <laughs> After, just, I cannot tell a lie. After that is Death Mountain, which I really like. Death Mountain is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After Light reminded me of like when I used to go through to Falkirk and the Boy Racers, the kind of Vauxhall Nova Corps, mm-hmm. that would go around the circuit in Falkirk as I was trying to fucking cross the road. Yeah, After Light didn't work for me either. But you know, David had fun. <laughs> I think yeah, for me, yeah. like it, 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 it does come quite close to happy hardcore a lot of time, which is a genre of music I do not like at all. Well, you know, funnily enough, Rusty and Hudson Mohawk and a couple of others about four years ago put on a happy hardcore day party down at swg3 mm-hmm. i remember and, that i remember um, this the the signs for it yeah cause i was but that's considering it. going do for you know the, what the these guys <laughs> this shows we're the three of us came grew up as teenagers listening to kerrang and you know with kerrang cds in our car there's a whole other 50 percent of uh you know the population out there or more than that that grew up with uh, bonkers bonkers cds in their car scooter and yeah exactly nation and all that and these guys these are the guys that had bonkers cds in their car but these are the creative ones that then are doing something really interesting with it and the more i grow up the more i wish oh fuck i wish i'd listened to some bonkers when i was (laughs) when i was a teenager because some of this is amazing probably make more money on average if you listen to bonkers than if you listen to some smart ass alternative rock oh yeah that's true um you know the 
the club nights at Brayhead Arena are very rarely <laughs> Steve Albini based. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a pull quote for the show in general. <laughs> um, so I've got a question actually, just kind of like, I'd, uh, I've sort of heard bits and bobs and maybe you can fill me in, right? What was Rusty's experience like in the States? Because I had heard that Hudmo had had very mixed fortunes over there, like a little bit of sleight of hand in terms of some of the contracts, especially Kanye. Yeah, I um, think. And I think there was a lot of like taking them over there and throwing everything but the kitchen sink in terms of hospitality, like nights out, drink, you know, <laughs> other anything, substances. Anything you want. Uh, you know, a little bit of like attention from whatever your chosen gender is. But I then, on the back of that, them kind of fucking them a wee bit with the contracts and ending up losing the rights to or or forfeiting the rights to bits of music that they really should have been reimbursed for and do you have any idea of rusty's experience well i haven't heard too much about rusty in terms of like you know legal things and stuff like that yeah i don't know if rusty has any specific stories or you know issues uh and musically or legally yeah because these are serious players like i mean they've got big legal teams guys like kanye and drake and that they've they've got proper ability to write really. well you, we talked about that with Aphex Twin Kanye just went in and said oh, I'm using this and you know Aphex Twin was like you can't do that and then he did it anyway Um, so it's you know you're not you're fighting a losing battle but I mean you just have to look at the fact that Rusty is taking time off for you know sort of mental exo- exhaustion and substance abuse and I think you're not stop producing stuff <laughs> Occasionally, he's released a couple of tracks, but you know he's not working like he was. Um, a guy I work with is uh, used to used to be used to make dance music, and he was quoted by a major label. And a lot of his pals are all still pals with Rusty, and he says yeah. he still does spend like half his time in America. Well, um, yeah, um, I think being thrown in there on a you know American tour, uh, when you're a young lad from Glasgow, and you're going to be hanging around with people that with influence yeah (laughs) yeah uh influential people with you know huge amounts of money and substances that know a guy yeah exactly you know and you're in a scene that relies upon you know certain drugs and staying up all fucking night so it's it's not a healthy lifestyle so i think that's basically you know he got to a point where it was unsustainable. It's it's but an yeah. interest. It's an interesting choice because it is such, especially in this country, it's such a distinct and commendable and fascinating movement. That whole movement around those labels and those yeah. clubs and those nights, and it definitely is. It, it needs to be acknowledged and recognised. Uh, and as you say, it's maybe going to be difficult to find single examples of things that really consolidate so many of the aspects about why that scene is so exciting you know i, th- I think Do you know it, what it's interesting like if we were three different guys and we were the guys that had bonkers cds in our car or whatever and we were you know doing this podcast and we went to arches run nice and sleazies this record would not be unsung you know this is not an unsung record to people that are into electronic music yeah you know I mean, fact it, magazine said it was the greatest album of the this century so far <laughs> you know that's a fairly or this decade sorry but what the reason i brought it was because i thought it was a defining record of this scene and for people like you and us it's a gateway mm. record possibly yeah because there's a lot of people out there that haven't heard music like this and 
you know, don't know what it's capable of. And it's also carrying on its shoulders the wider reputation of a bigger movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, yeah, I can see that. I think just it's. But I, maybe you just haven't got it. I'm a bit torn, yeah, because I just, I just don't enjoy it. I just, I actually don't like it. Um, how as much as I can acknowledge its influence and impact and importance, um, I think just recreationally it brings me no pleasure. Mm-hmm. Oh, which is a shame true. because I would have liked it too. And I think there is stuff in that scene that will, um, but I just think it's, it's very it. of our time. I think he's like some guy from Pollock Shields. He's ended up leading the world in electronic music. The internet has sort of allowed this massive amalgam of genres. He's taken things like Southern hip hop and London grime, a dubstep and nostalgic nineties influences, and he's made it into this incredibly modern sound that then people are now imitating, and. I think this record is the one that, for me, is by far the most listenable and the most album, album. The most album. <laughs> it's the most album. <laughs> the yeah. most album. The album. Well, so, I'm sorry that you guys didn't enjoy it, but maybe somebody out there, you know, listen to this podcast that are alt rock heads will give it some time and you know be opened up to a whole new world of. No, you fought the good fight. Dingy men and clubs taking too many drugs. I listened to this record a lot. I tried really, really hard to get into it, but I just, mm. I just, I just couldn't find the, the hook. You know, there's some stuff in it I like, but overall, I was just left cold by it. And I actually kind of feel bad for that because I see myself. I see like as you grow older, it's harder and harder to expand your music taste for most people. Mm-hmm. You know, just as a, just by dint of. Um, getting set in your ways and stuff. So I wanted to really, really like this and hope it would um, start something new, but I just, just couldn't get it. Well, I understand. Uh, but um, I mean, I'm going back it. Well, uh, I'm I'm on the fence because I I I don't like it musically, but I'm very on board with the wider significance. Well, uh, maybe. Uh, for our Christmas night out, I'll take you to the sub club. How about that, guys? Yes. For our podcast night out. Holy moly. Can we get some food first? Can we have some money? <laughs> <laughs> for that. <laughs> or if you know a guy. Well, uh, thanks thanks for uh, listening to my music for a little moment there. That's all right. And uh, what are we going to do next week? Well, next week, I believe, is my choice. Mm-hmm. And as I name-checked earlier on, we are going to do Tomahawk, uh, the album Midgas. The choice of somebody that used to have lots of Kerrang CDs. <laughs> cue somebody, like, cue a number of people probably go like, what? It's not the first one. What? These guys are dicks. Well, no, it's not are. the first one. It's a better one. Well, Great. Well, go go vote on our Facebook page because you can do that this week. And yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks a lot, lads. Cheers. See you, see you down the front of the, the sub club. <laughs> <laughs>